what happens is that the prohibition itself, by saying, hey, there are protocols you have to now follow, it retroactively produces in the kid's mind an unconscious fantasy of some perfect sublime enjoyment that it once was able to bask in, but then society comes along and gets it takes it away and it has to sacrifice it. Again, we never had this perfect sublime enjoyment. It's a retroactive phantasmatic construction once we come into contact with the law, right? So what happens is that because of the prohibition, because of the no, and because the child accepts it and consents, what it sacrifices is a nothing. It feels like it's given up some essential part of itself, something in it, some missing piece that made it whole and defined it as a singular reality. And that's the part of itself it had to sacrifice. That part of itself, that missing part, that lost object, is objet petit a, the, the, the object cause of desire, right? It's precisely through losing this object, and it's where I know, look, in psychoanalytic terms, they call it an object. It is not an object in the way that a lamp or a hammer or a nail or a TV is an object. It's not physical. You can't weigh it, right? It's just the way we talk about it is it's a void. It's a, it's a nothing, right? It's not a thing. But at the same time, it gets, we, we phantasmatically reify it. We turn it into like, oh, there's actually, at least at the unconscious level, that's what causes us to desire. There is ultimately something I lost in the past that I must regain. And what we do is we come to link this positive nothing. It's weird. to I know it's weird to call it like this. But the point is, it's to us very real. It's very much a thing. At the same time, it's just a nothing. It's a void. So we're constantly pursuing things through our desire because we lost this object. The loss of this object is what causes us to desire. At the same time, this lost object, it's like a cluster of, oh, if I can just get that concentrated cluster of jouissance, I'll be whole again, right? Um, again, the whole point is you never had this to begin with. So the, the what is life for Lacan? Life is the constant pursuit of a sublime object that we, we think made us whole, but that we never actually had to begin with. So there's a kind, I don't know how you, you can say there for Lacan, life is a tragedy, but you equally can call it a, uh, a comedy. So, um, the point is, okay. So that's lost for, for us, for us, it's, for us, it's not that weird though. Um, because, and for anybody who's like really in the steeped in the continental stuff, ways that negation is or or absences or or voids or or you know that th that they are real or you know they have their own kind of positivity to say that negation has its own kind of positivity is not a contradict it's well it might be contradictory but it also makes sense and obviously like Zizek has all kinds of jokes about this and stuff like that that you know makes sense and and that meaning itself or sense making itself is uh, structurally conditioned by these, uh, by various forms of negation. And so the what you know, we're just talking about one right now. By the way, Tony Stark is in the chat and said, 
Good to see you. I am not the only one celebrating Slavoj's birthday. Yeah, welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Tony, it's it's absolutely a pleasure to have you here. Can I have a grant? <laughs> yeah, we need a little money. Um, also, I need Stark also, Industries to come through. I promise I'll, I'll, I'll make you proud. It, it really quick. Uh, I feel like there's a few things that I'm trying to hold on to and not forget about. And, and so I can. All right. Well, I'm kind of at a resting point here. So do yeah, your let, thing. And let we'll, me bring it all back together here. Yeah. So you ended up bringing in McGowan when talking about law being threefold. We, we ended up going down a rabbit hole talking about an example, activism and protests and stuff like that under the. Under inherent transgression, we talked about how it's a release valve, co-option, recuperation, etc. And that that's not the same thing as emancipation, which is obviously what would be like the real radical thing that we're really interested in is. And um, so so that's kind of what we've done. Uh, Marvin had asked if it's sanction if it's sanctioned transgression. I think we've clarified that not always in a lot of ways, not always, but but this the system requires it in some way. Um, and we can all think of a lot of ways that people go and get rowdy um, or do things that they that would that would offend a priest, perhaps, but that nevertheless um, sustains the system. And, and, you know, obviously people going and blowing off steam after work by drinking or what have you is is a good example of that. Um, th- but right. uh, so the, thing, like the system's not going to like, why do they always do the drink responsibly? It's the, the official mandates are not going to be drink yourself to the point that you become an alcoholic. It'll never say that. But if being a functional alcoholic is how you get up and you still go to work and do everything, it doesn't care as long as you're reproducing capital. Right, which is also why the DSM-5 defines a disorder as (laughs) you're not able to function at a job. So... (laughs) That's fucking... I did not know that. Oh, you didn't know that? So, like, OCD... Uh OCD, it, it only becomes, it only gets the D at the point that you're not able to like pay your rent and get a paycheck. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. You're paying so, them be, be a productive wage laborer. Yeah. That's it. Your depression's not really depression if you're able to hold it all together. You know, and obviously right. there might, there's, there's some nuance here we can add, but no, yeah, we live in a capitalist society. This is the, the main question is how to get you back to work. And so, I mean, obviously, yeah, people want to be functional. But and, and and obviously, if you can't hold down like a job, then you might be having some problems functioning. But then again, also, maybe people are just like, I don't see any purpose or meaning in anything anymore. And my entire life is just waking up and going back and doing the same old thing again. And I have no control right. over my life and I'm not able and my all of my potential is wasting away. Yeah. Um, which is obviously where Mark Fisher comes in talking about um, capitalist realism and everything like that. And then anyway, Impression. right, right, right. And anyway, so Valerian in the chat said, though, uh, something. And then I also wanted to call out uh, Anne uh, and stop. One thing before I forget, because I I was going to make I was going to do a quilting point, which we'll get that we'll get to that in a little bit. But here's the thing, just to. uh bring what I was saying to Marvin to a conclusion. So OJ Petit is essentially our, the, the, the fantasy of our lost, perfect, sublime enjoyment. The, the, like the, the purest, most concentrated, best enjoyment there is to get again, never happened. Never, never was real. Uh, nonetheless, that is what is beyond the law 
what is prohibited fundamentally by the symbolic order is jouissance. Like jouissance is what you have to sacrifice to the law, even though you're not actually giving it up. It's it's this bizarre thing. But at the same time, in giving up this nothing we didn't actually have, it produces desire in us. And then we get forms of enjoyment the rest of our lives through pursuing the ultimate jouissance, right? And so this is a complicated whole like trajectory of how this happens. But I just want to say that what is beyond the law or what is prohibited is jouissance. The trick, and this is, we'll get to this later when we, we well, in a second, I guess. The trick is to see how there are certain forms of jouissance, which is what's prohibited by the law, that actually help reproduce the law, the social order. And then there's other forms of jouissance that would actually bring the law crumbling down, that would break apart the social order. And so that's the trick. Both forms of jouissance are prohibited, but one secretly colludes with the law. I like that you said that when I brought up the Valerian question because uh, Valerian actually had two really good questions. And the sec- you kind of just answered the second one because Valerian's ha- uh, two-thirds of the way through Emancipation After Hegel, that McGowan book that we were just talking about, and said that it's really good, but is hoping that it's going to get into the implications for revolution. And basically, I was going to type into the chat, well, he's not quite that kind of thinker. He's a professor. He's good. He's trying to get you to think for yourself and to be able to work this stuff out. Um, but you just kind of talked about some of the implications. I, that's what I'll say is like th- what you just said, That that's some of the implications there. Um, well, and, and so here's the thing. So right here, I'm kind of stuck because so here's the situation. I, I mentioned Todd is about to write or about to publish a new book. So, and and that I got to read it in advance. This book is going to be the one you want to read. And I know it's like, oh God, you got to read another book. Trust me, I I know the feeling. But I think this new book is going to be his best, his best attempt at getting at what emancipation is and how basically, okay, look, I can give you this because the point when I'm, I'm being evasive because I don't want to spoil anything in the book. He, He doesn't want anybody to know about Here's the yeah. thing, though. He, if, if you want to check this out, you can get a condensed version of this on his YouTube channel because he recently released a lengthy, uh, like it's an hour long. It's And it's basically him lecturing on the first chapter of his upcoming book. And the lecture is, a, is it called Enjoying Right and Left. And what he does in this lecture, I really ha- recommend this lecture. You know, check it out if you have a chance. He, he basically argues that the difference between the right and the left is they have different forms of enjoyment. And so they approach things radically different because they enjoy in different ways. And so he's basically going to argue that the right typically is the mode of transgression. Like they, especially now with the alt-right, it's weird because, I mean, you can say like, well, in this, like kill, in Kill All Normies, right? She makes the argument like the leftist counterculture used to be transgressive, but now the alt-right considers itself to be transgressive. But Todd's point would be like, okay, transgression is usually just rightist in the sense that it's conservative. It, it keeps 
the status quo the status quo. Whereas authentic leftist enjoyment would actually be revolutionary or emancipatory in the sense of forcing a, uh, a restructuration of society itself. And so this next book is where he's really going to delve into, I mean, there's a whole chapter on transgression versus emancipation in the book. So he, he really fleshes it out there. Yeah. Uh, to losing guitar says y'all know the DSM handbook has explicit implicit rules and inherent transgression too. I bet I, <laughs> that's a book right there. Maybe one day you'll be able to write that to lose. Um, yeah. And then, uh, Tony, Tony Stark says beer carries the plebe into complacency. It is like a selective negation of reality. I a hundred percent agree. Now, the one thing I wanted to to go, I, I, cause I thought you, maybe you missed it, but Valerian had said earlier though, when Zizek says pure, it, pure ideology, does he mean when you know you are within ideology and disavow it? Or when you really don't realize you are within ideology? I think when he, he says something is pure ideology, all that means is that it functions as a perfect example of how ideology functions. In an attempt to bring in new people to the world of philosophy and theory while building on relationships already established, we are doing a countrywide tour of the United States this fall. What's up, guys? It's Anna Dave. Are we coming to a city or a town near you? Do you think there is a venue or audience in your local region that would be interested in a lecture or facilitated discussion about existentialism, critiques of therapism, PMC ideology, self-help, introduction to philosophy, or the time energy critique of any of those things. This speaking and discussion facilitation tour will include the Pacific Northwest in mid-August, the Kansas City, Missouri area late August or early September, Philadelphia at the beginning of October, and really we're gonna be all over the area there, hopefully, so get in contact with us if you think that we should come visit your state Phoenix, Arizona, mid-October, and SoCal, especially San Diego, late October. I say especially San Diego because we already have our guide for the San Diego region. What's the difference between a host, a guide, and a volunteer, you ask? Well, thanks for asking, actually. The volunteer role is for people who want to put up posters or in other ways promote the events that will be occurring in their town or city. Whereas the host might have a guest bedroom, guest house, or a place that we can park our van so that we can sleep in our van. We need to know if you would have like bathroom facilities or anything like that. And so the form on the website is where you can tell us what you have to offer. Guiding on the other hand though, people who love to guide take a lot of pride in their local knowledge. A good example of that would be Michael Downs when I visited him in Raytown, Missouri. And he took me into Kansas City and we had barbecue and he took me to the mall and to all these other landmark places from his life growing up there. Um, but a more recent example would be my friend Michael in Poland who took us around Katowice, Poland and basically gives a historical and sociological analysis of everything. And it was amazing. It was, it was one of the coolest 
things we've ever experienced. And it made us realize some people just want to provide the space and privacy, whereas other people want to take you out and show you around. And so if you're interested in being a volunteer, host, or guide, we have a special form for that. So please fill out your information and uh, get in contact with us as soon as possible so we can fit you into the schedule because we'll love to meet you, touch base with the local community. And if you don't think anyone else in your area is interested in the things that you're interested in, if you don't think anyone else is into this stuff, well, we might be able to surprise you. When I saw that poster, Bolgrillard, in Boise fucking Idaho, are you kidding me? It was virtually an, an answer to an unspoken prayer, you know, really was. And I just couldn't believe that somebody was interested in the things that I was interested in, that I had been interested in for years and had kind of given up on in, in futility. I'd labored in solitude for so long, I had no one to talk to about it, no one to bounce ideas off. This tour is going to bring together a lot of people who want to be based in text with the people they're in conversation with. And yeah, I think it's going to be a fantastic year. The only other thing that I want to say is that Michael Downs' first book is going to be published by Theory Underground really soon here. I've got another book coming out really soon here. These books will be spread throughout the United States on this tour. So I'm hoping to be able to do some actual book launch events at various bookstores. Outside of that, I guess the last thing that I would say is that Michael Downs is gearing up to teach For They Know Not What They Do by Slavoj Žižek. We're putting out all these introduction videos and other interviews related to the topic of Hegel, Lacan, Žižek because we want to give people an accessible and sturdy basis in the discourse. The problem is, is that Michael Downs is very busy having to work at a wage slave job. And so if you want to help in freeing Mikey, make sure to go to his Patreon at patreon.com forward slash the dangerous baby and make a donation. Thank you. I would be remiss to close this out without a quick shout out to our patrons and our anonymous donors. Thank you so much for the donations already. We've only been around for a month. We already got over $3,000 in donations. Um, and so thank you. And uh, stay tuned for the app, which is on its way. There will be a Theory Underground app. So the current setup is that it is a social media site built around courses where you can suppose that people who are involved in the discussions have a shared interest in the same or similar texts and where you can assume in a lot of the discussions that, yeah, people have read the stuff that you're reading, uh, that you're bringing into dialogue. And so, uh, for instance, the idea of the university by Carl Jaspers, dedicated forum. Slavoj Zizek's For They Don't Know What They Do, dedicated forum. And then as people take the course over the years, new people will be coming into that forum. And so if you get in there early, you'll be able to see how the conversation evolves. And as new people add into the conversation, it'll bring back memories and like things that you want to work through, questions that you had with the first time that you read the text. And so I'm really excited for this. The reason I've built this website is because I think that this is what's lacking in so many other spaces, is that ability to return, to be able to communicate after the fact and in a sustained way 
on a platform that's not attention-grabby and annoying like Discord. And so stay tuned because there is an app on the way. Thank you to our donors. If you want to donate, go to theory-underground.com forward slash support. Thank you.